Welcome to the Wild Grace Podcast with Naz, Melody and Reba. Hey ladies, we're all around the world as usual, holding point, vibrating, doing our thing, <laughs> still glowing post the Costa Rica immersion, <laughs> literally shining. Reba, where are you? I'm back home in Ontario. So there's a big homing piece that's happening for me and this kind of journey back to yeah, the hills and the cedars and the pine trees and the maples here, which has been really juicy. Yum, yum, yum. Yeah, I'm probably in the opposite place right now. So I'm still in New York in the concrete jungle, somehow still in love with this place. I'm just mesmerized. So just before we were jiving and touching base and what started to flow in was who was the wild woman yeah, it's funny now, like I'm literally in the opposite place of, of wildness. Like this is the most domesticated, capitalistic, neoliberalistic, industrial place in the world. But there's nothing that I want more than to be connected to my animal and to that listening that is instinctual and innate to that animal part of ourselves, you know, like that part that's so connected to the elements and the flow of life and not just matter and the physical realm, but also cosmos and the stars. And she's actually been flowing in for me in the last week quite strongly. And I'm like, wow. So she doesn't just exist in the forests and in nature, but she's actually always here. Like we can't deny this part of ourselves. It's part of our humanity. Yeah. Feels really apt that we're starting this kind of like archetypal series with the wild woman mm. and that you're bringing up the piece around like living in one of the most arguably intense, but also wild cities in the world, potentially in different ways that we understand those spaces and what it is to always have that connection to our primal simply by being like living through animal bodies. Mm. We are mammals. There is this innate historical, biological, thousands, 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 thousands year old connective experience that all of us have to the primal, even though it's been like desperately and devastatingly pushed away from our personal and social experiences for at least the last like 5,000 to 7,000 years, depending on where you're tracking in the world. And that's not to count for like different indigenous cultures that have held deeply with their connection to that epic listening to the nature within and the nature around. But to hold that those of us who've come up through westernized, civilized, colonialized spaces, like this is a part of a deep reclaiming journey to be with that listening, no matter where we find our aliveness. Yeah. And there's also like this piece around breaking of the programs and the structures, like religion and different ways of being and like what we're taught at school, like and being contained, like, you know, be a good girl or boys don't cry, you know, like all of these little programs that we don't notice that they kind of stick to us. So in the wildness, I'm like, yes, New York has, it's a completely wild place. And what's wild about it is that everyone just like, so firstly, everyone's surviving, everyone's hustling, but everyone's voice is pretty damn clear. 
Like, you know what people are thinking and feeling because they just say it. So it's almost like that program, like you can't survive here, you know, like in this jungle, like you can't survive unless you are in your essence and you speak the thing and you say the truth. Like there's an authenticity that's attached to the wild self, to the primal self, because it doesn't have those structures or ideas or belief systems or constructs, ideologies, any of that. Yeah, I love that. I feel like there's so many pieces that I want to speak to that are coming through, but like inability to be able to be and speak with the truth is what the world woman is kind of feeling caged by, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like that part of ourselves that literally feels like you don't just feel it in your throat, like feel the frustration and the resentment for not being able to be fully expressed. And I think like just when you started speaking to it, Reva, I just kind of like got transported to me being in this essence at the latest park race training in Costa Rica and just like the purity of what that feels like when you're holding it in your body, that you have that reference point that you're like, this is what like truth and ecstatic aliveness feels like. And like, once you have that reference, living off of that can feel really contained. Like you feel really contained and yeah, it's like there becomes less ability to be in that state of suppression mm. and constriction. Yeah, I do feel like definitely the throat is activated here and base as well. And then the combination of that like, yes, it's ecstatic, but I feel like in that, that there's like a lot of fear pieces that can come up and grief as you're like moving through those structures. But, you know, from my experience, like grief can be ecstatic, pain can be ecstatic. And when I feel it vibrating through me, it's actually clearing. Like I want to feel those things. Like it's not worse than joy and happiness. Like I'm just feeling and like not attaching the thoughts to it. Because it's just true. You need to fight against. It's like when you pull on your grief or like when you pull on your joy, it no longer feels like aliveness. You know, it feels forced and you can feel that. But when like the ecstasy of what is there, whether it's pain, pleasure, grief, joy, when it's there, you just get to be with it. Yeah. And it moves, it moves through. And this is what the wild woman knows. She knows like the cycles that we all go through. She knows the seasons. She knows the, like the lunar cycles, the body and emotions are the same. We're going to move through them cyclically, periodically. There's a knowing. It just is. She's just with life. It's simple. Mm -hmm. There's a piece on that note of simplicity in what I feel when I connect with the wild woman, because it's this deep connection with presence and with like the material of what's here, but also the emotion of what's here. The wild woman is the part that will take me within, say, like a temple experience or even like a day, but definitely in like a temple experience where there's like that held container from oh, I'm just sinking into meditation and this is the present now of just being with breath and being with this body and being with the ecstatic current that might be more subtle, but is still delicious in that moment to moving to another moment and getting like triggered or activated by 
witnessing something that brings up the like emotional resonance of jealousy in a part of me and being like, oh, this is welcome. Now I go like scream and roll around on the floor and like be in the part of the tension and intensity that that story is without a shame on it, without a huge story starting to attach to it. And it just being deeply okay that, oh, that's what's emerging now. That's what's emerging now to then going and flirting with someone beautiful. Cause like the flirtations there and then suddenly we're dancing and then we're like making weird sounds at each other and like making really big eyes and like doing things that we're not told that we're supposed to do. The primal self just like thoroughly enjoys. Last night I was experiencing a dear friend. He was here at this place that I'm staying at and there's a hot tub and we just drop into this like primal nonverbal weird sounds, weird touch, weird eyes, like just the things that people looking in on us would think we were magnificently insane. But in the body, that's like the most exciting, gorgeous, primal, just like, ugh, I can be all of the different pieces of me. And all of them are welcome in me and in you and in us. And we can just fucking play and be really present with that aliveness that's here. Mm. So as you were speaking, I just had this like flash of me as a little girl, just being a little gremlin playing. Like we had a part of our backyard that was kind of closed off and it was overgrown and there was trees everywhere and like really tall grass. And I loved going there and exploring. So even as a little girl, as the maiden, I was so wild. And sometimes I kind of get those two like within me, they really blend, you know, and they're kind of like interchangeable, which makes sense because it's the parts of us that are closest to source, you know? Yeah. So it's like my wild woman is also my wild little girl. And like I kind of actually love blending those archetypes. We've all used the words kind of like aliveness and ecstatic quite a lot. And I just feel for maybe some of our listeners that are new to our work or like haven't entered, what does aliveness feel like in your body? Like what's your reference for that? You. Right. That wasn't words, Reva. You have to use <laughs> I know there weren't words. I was also muted. But it was like, oh, <laughs> what are the words? Thank aliveness. You. Aliveness for me is the experience of contrast from the moments when, say, I feel shut down or shamed or fearful or stuck or low or tight in my being, and I'm able to feel open and spacious and connected to the pleasure that's alive or present in this moment, and that aliveness or sense of pleasure in this moment and like the level of it can kind of like go up and down. There's some moments when I feel like the most expressive forms of aliveness is just bursting out of my heart and being. And my voice gets more like this than like this. And there can also be like an aliveness and presence here. Yeah, there's this piece of it being connected to pleasure and this space of deep acceptance of what's here. Like I've had aliveness be really present with me in grief. Mm. Because the truth that I experience underneath grief is it's connected to some aspect of life that I love more than anything, or else there wouldn't be that emotional spilling of care and connection with that aspect of life. So that's 
kind of how I would describe aliveness. Mm. So for me, aliveness is associated with deep presence. Like I'm so present. I'm so in whatever I'm doing. It's like time doesn't matter. It's almost like there is a bubble around me wherever I am or there's some sort of portal. And I feel it a lot in my heart, actually. My heart feels very, very open when I'm alive and I feel very connected to whoever I'm with, but also to the world around me. And I kind of feel like I'm gliding, you know, I'm like, my heart is open. There's almost like this tingling sensation. I was like, it's like, I can take in more air than usual. It's like, I'm bigger, I'm more expanded, but lighter. And I'm just moving and flowing and yeah, like speaking into like the grief, like the aliveness that I feel, for example, when I feel grief or, or heavier emotions, like, oh, this is actually part of my humanness and my humanity. And that's okay. And often when I cry, when I'm at that point and I just like let go and surrender, there's a gratitude that's associated with that aliveness. Like, my heart is beating, I'm breathing, I'm walking, I'm just grateful to be here. It's so simple. And then I want to speak into ecstatic as well. As ecstatic feels similar for me, there's an erotic component to it. It's not so much like sexuality, but more like a sensuality, like with life. And it's my sacral that opens up. So my heart and my sacral are present. And I just feel so juicy, almost in a liminal space. You know, there's something otherworldly about the ecstatic experience. I do feel that there's moments of myself kind of disintegrating, like like almost this orgasmic, like, you know, that orgasmic afterglow, like that kind of sensation. And I sometimes do feel ungrounded as well when I'm feeling ecstatic. So I have to kind of remind myself, I know my body, I'm here kind of not float away because that can happen to me too. So that's how I experience it. I don't know if you guys experience it in a similar way. Yeah, I feel like aliveness and eroticism for me feel really similar. It's like a thread that feels like it keeps going and that's Mm. how I experience it. And I think I really resonate with what Reva shared around like when I'm feeling in like contraction or shame pieces or judgment, that doesn't feel alive for me. This feels like really open and it feels like I'm literally following a thread Like, I'm just like, I'm just going to keep following this thing and like see where it takes me and see where it leads me. And I think like ecstatic, there's more of like a out of body, in body, Mm. but like out of body experience where like everything feels really high. And I think both of these are really present in that wild woman piece because the ecstasy is almost part of like the crumbling at the same time. You know, it's like there's this ecstaticness to what's happening and there's so much sensation that at some point something's going to diffuse and you're just going to come into like the real eroticism, the real aliveness and the real truth of what's there. So like when you said it feels ungrounded, I feel like aliveness and eroticism feels really grounded. And that's Mm -hmm. like there's both of them are present when I'm in the wild woman. Something else I want to speak to when I experience myself kind of more in the archetypal flavor of my wild woman than mm-hmm. say, kind of to compare it to some of the wheel that we play with in Wild Grace. 
Like for me, the difference with my maiden and my wild woman is my maiden will fall far more into like softness and like open emotionality from this soft space. My wild woman will fall into it far more from like a raw primal space. Like my maiden, when she's crying, will be like more like holding self, like baby deer kind of feelings where when my wild woman's crying, it's more like a lion that's like crying. There's more of this, yeah, this intensity, I think that comes through. Another archetype that feels interesting when we talk about blends or like connections is that my like temptress seductress and my wild woman have a really intense, gorgeous relationship with each other. But the seductress is more of the like, I'm going to play with like the particular angles of my body and my beingness and my aliveness in a way that invites world to come to my feet and be in love with me and with life. The wild woman doesn't give a fuck about what she looks like in me. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm doing this because it feels fucking good. And if it looks good, great, but I don't care. So yeah, there's also like those that, different flavors. There's an ecstatic thread there between the two of them. So I reckon you're just, you're tapping into that frequency with both of those, but I can definitely see you kind of like playing with the wild woman and then moving into your seductress and just kind of like chopping and changing. Like, I feel like they communicate. Your saucy lion. It's interesting to kind of bring these pieces in as we keep learning through this series. It's like, how do we distinguish the different archetypal flavors of each of these parts of at least the wheel we're playing with, but also in the journey of being human and playing with teasing out different flavors of the archetypal parts of us and how they relate. There's Mm -hmm. also something interesting. I imagine we could talk about deeper around blending, like what happens when there are very blended archetypal spaces. Well, I feel like there is a real distinction between like aliveness and eroticism and sex. For Mm -hmm. me, they are really very different. And I feel like when we come into kind of temptress and seductress, that element becomes stronger. Like the sex is more stronger. Where when I'm in the wild woman, it feels really primal. It feels really animal and it feels really like base heavy. It's like erotic in the sense of that there's so much energy moving through the body that it's like clearing you but it doesn't feel sexy it's like a turn on of like the natural primal eroticism of life but it doesn't feel like sex which is a really different different frequency well that's because it's when it's erotic it's more it's usually more horizontal right? It's like, it's moving outwards from us. And then the other one, it's just pure life force and it's moving through you. It's like connection to cosmos, connection to earth. And it's just like that straight column rather than like the loop of kind of engagement with other. Yeah. But it's interesting to connect with someone whilst being in that vertical column. It's like, oh, how can I be deeply in my sovereignty whilst also being with another and actually it's like what happens is magic sounds like absolute candy <laughs> experience it's like great mangoes dripped in maple syrup <laughs> <laughs> well like this whole concept of sex magic i'm just going to go with that thread it's about 
you know, being able to get yourself or be in that ecstatic state and directing your intention towards something. So we're literally, we're enabling our bodies to be a battery and a charge for something, for a purpose. And you can't really do that without connection to our wild and primal self. But then there's an erotic component to it. So yeah, that's like an example of what blending archetypes could look like in practice. Well, also, if you don't have like reference of what's true and you're just manifesting things, you're just manifesting like compensatory things like things that you don't actually want and I think we spoke about this at the beginning of before we jumped on here it's like when we're connected to the wild woman it's like dissolving anything that's not true and if you try to replicate the thing that you actually want it still won't be what you want you stop until you get what you want like the real thing it falls away it falls away so I literally just had this experience I set up my old, I just rearranged it the other day and it ended up looking super wild and mugwort everywhere and it's candles and stones just kind of rearranged in a very unusual <laughs> way. And I was just feeling a block with a particular project. And I'm like, I want this, I want, and I was just like, I felt like this like intense attachment and I did a little bit of sex magic and I charged my body And then something happened where I just completely let go and completely surrender. I'm like, you know what? Whatever happens, it's going to be okay. Maybe it's going to turn up another way. Maybe it's going to look different. Maybe it's not correct for me. Maybe this isn't accurate. Maybe I got it all wrong. But something in that process, like exactly what you said, Melody, it just burnt away because it wasn't true. It was just this like attachment and need that I had placed on it. And it was giving me anxiety. And once I let go, I was like, well, that feels better. And you know what? Now it's flowing (laughs) the way that I wanted it to anyway, because there's almost like this energetic cock blocking that I was cock blocking myself essentially. But also I think it was important to just kind of take a step back and have that overview of like, you know, what's the bigger picture here? And I think the wild woman has that bigger picture view of the world. She surrenders to the truth. Bigger picture view and also like deeper resonant thread. I think she feels it deeper. It's not necessarily what she can see. It's like how she feels. Well, it's the subconscious, right? She knows the subconscious space is like, all right, I know what's true. I know what's your truth and what you what you actually want, like in your heart and how you want to move through a particular situation as well, like the way in which we move through life. And there's something powerful with where kind of like when we talk about sex magic and the wild woman, like the wild woman feels really connected to the somatic and the like internal underworld kind of spaces. So there's something about sex magic that when I first entered it, it felt very like, I am engaging in my erotic energy to be like manifesting this thing and where the shift and like you speaking to this shift, Mazzy, of what it is to alchemize that deeper into how can I invite pleasure into this moment of being with this tension or this desire that often has tension (laughs) because we have a lot of tension around desire usually as people Mm -hmm. to invite my nervous system to be like, it's actually okay to be with this thing that I feel tension around and that I have desire around. So your nervous system actually gets more like 
attuned to this desire isn't scary. This desire isn't a problem. This tension isn't a problem. Mm -hmm. Actually, there's pleasure in this tension. There's pleasure in this connection to desire. Even there's pleasure in this connection to the fear and the desire kind of mixing together because they really love to do that cocktail thing around here where they mix the fear and the desire in this kind of realm of the universe of being human and what we've been taught that then allows for that clearing to happen also somatically. So when I think about this, I think about it on like the cosmic level as well, but also for those that speak more of like the nervous system, give me like the roots and potatoes of something, not the cosmic woo-woo stuff, which is also very valid and important to bring in because it's fucking real. But to be with like, this also speaks to the nervous system level of what it is to manifest and feel comfortable around a desire to then be able to go closer to it. Yeah. Having your desire is like, I'm having this at the moment. I was just sharing with Mazzy and Reva before we jumped on around like I'm in Mexico at the moment and it's been a desire of mine to be here for such a long time. And I was actually writing in my journal this morning, just like, can I let myself have it? Like, can I let myself have the fullness of actually what I want, even though it feels sensational, even though it goes against like what I think I should do or like what feels like the normal thing to do. And I think this is so deeply entwined with this world woman archetype that does go against the grain because she knows what is true. And then that piece around like, Reva, what you were speaking to is like, learning to expand the capacity of our nervous system so that we can actually hold the thing. Mm -hmm. This is a lot to receive. Can I let myself fully have it here? I feel like speaking into my experience just recently, this last few years, I've really thrown myself into this world and I quit my corporate job and just press the delete button, throw the grenade and let's just start again. And, you know, from the outside, Sure, life kind of seems like a little bit chaotic and crazy, but really there's a wildness to it. Like I want to be with the world and I want to be in the world and move with the ebbs and the flows. And there was certain pieces that I had to face that were causing my nervous system to really flare up and to give me anxiety. You know, like what would my parents think? What would my old friends think? Like, would they still love me? Like there was definitely like fears and anxieties around leaving the constructs of mainstream society. Right. And I still feel like I'm very much like dancing in those spaces, but I'm on the fringes. And so there's been a lot of work that I've had to do to create a sense of calm and ease and also like that it's okay like it's okay that I've made this choice because it feels good the only thing that doesn't feel okay is well for me personally it's around judgments projections rejections and ultimately abandonment that love will abandon me if I make the choice that feels good for me that's been my journey but nothing's felt better I feel like we've all had such deep initiations into this yeah in all sorts of different ways. But the one thing that I actually do want to add that, yeah, whilst there's wildness and chaos and free, like I do feel an immense sense of freedom, like I never have before, there is a structure to it. Like there needs to be ground and earth and something, yeah, something grounded and rooted in order for the freedom to flow. Definitely. 
that ties into the recognition of like where we can utilize different parts of ourselves and our archetypal selves, support systems for each other. So that, for example, like our warrior, kind of like the more dark masculine aspects of ourselves can be in the directioning of our lives and in the like decisioning around where are we going? What are we doing? How am I getting you towards that feeling sense that like follows the thread, the part that feels the thread and the other part that's like, yeah, yeah, next step, next step, this one, yes. And follows that and where that can connect into, yeah, how we're really following from a place of deep care and holding, as opposed to just like diving straight off into like chaos queen realm, which I've got a lot of stories about my wild woman and her chaos queen kinks and the various intense sensations of being alive and primal that this once upon a time subconscious, now mostly conscious part of me just loves, which kind of brings us into talking about the shadows or the pain points of both kind of like the wild woman when she's caged and underactive in us. And also usually kind of what happens when we start opening that cage, we can also get the moments (laughs) of the overactive and chaotic wild woman. I'd love to hear about any personal stories or experiences or framings for what the underactive caged wild woman pain points and patterns are what the overactive and chaotic wild woman pain points or shadows are? Well, I've definitely experienced both. And even though it's like opposite sides of the spectrum, they're kind of not in my experience. So my wild woman, when she was caged, she would leak out. She would leak out in other ways and just be destructive. And there'd be moments of like where the cage, okay, we can only open the cage for like an hour or like a day. And it would just be mayhem and just destroy everything because it feels good. And acting without care and consideration, acting selfishly. And on reflection, I realized that that was her learning. Like I had to go through that. I had to experience that destruction and that chaos in order to look back and be like, oh, okay, what was actually happening there? So it's okay if those things happen, but how can we take a moment and bring awareness to it so it's not just stuck in this like unconscious place? It's like, oh, what do I want? I don't want to be in a cage. I don't want to do that. <laughs> how do I dismantle this? How do I, how do I leave the door open or like not even, you know, fuck the cage? So I think that it's kind of one in the same, actually, the overactive and the underactive. Yeah, I feel like this polarization piece is an important piece to speak to because it's like the moment, if this aspect of self is really caged, it's like the moment that you start to unleash her, she'll just literally burn everything to the ground Mm. and she'll just like everything that isn't true, she's just like, let's take it down. And I think that's the piece of being in deep relationship with this primal aspect of self is so that that doesn't have to happen. So it's like one of my teachers, she says, like, build your house low to the ground and knock it down often. And it's like, you just keep building it and you keep knocking the bits that like get a bit fluffy and a bit out there and that aren't actually true. And you just take that down, but foundations are still there. Like, we don't really want to be burning our lives down every single time we build something we don't really want to just like take it all the way out 
we want to be deeply in tune and connected to the ecstatic aliveness so that we can just follow that thread of truth and like be like okay cool now is the time that this is actually no longer true let's make a change as opposed to it just like blowing everything up you know like keeping following this like keeping basically living a lie is probably one of the most blunt ways to put it but you just keep building on this not true thing or like close to the truth but not actually the real thing and then you keep blowing that up blowing it up and that's when you're living in chaos but like if you can find that primordial threads that you get to keep following where it feels alive and it feels true and it feels grounded not ecstatic like it feels grounded and it's like yes I know this thing can I keep opening to it you just have to keep changing like changing the path when it follows when the Mm -hmm. thread follows you follow does that Mm -hmm. make sense and I think like some of the shadow pieces or the caged pieces to give people some more tangible reference points for me it feels like parts of me are decaying like parts my life force doesn't feel on I feel really heady it just feels like dissatisfaction is what it feels like I don't necessarily love the term happy like I'm not looking for happiness in my life I'm looking for aliveness and truth and like it feels the opposite to that it feels like dying it feels like lack of inspiration it doesn't feel like it feels like suffocation it's dense yeah it's dense yeah that's the feeling that I was having just before I went into that sex magic ritual I just felt like almost like the world was caving in I have a headache my body hurts I just want to sleep there's just this density it's like oh I feel like I'm just withering like I could just die you know and maybe part of me was dying and what's really drawn me to wild grace is the softness like we don't have to blow our system in order for change to occur you know we can just slowly and softly notice where do we feel aliveness within us or around us to take a moment to be still and to listen because the wild woman also knows how to be still Knowing and to listen to the calls of the elements and of nature and the current ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, what is true. I want to hop in on this thread around softness because another piece that we really hold at Wild Grace is that shadow doesn't mean bad. These no. patterns that emerge in our lives that we've been taught that are moving through, gosh, millions, if not billions of people, like this isn't personal. It isn't a wrong, bad, shameful thing to have shadows. It's like all of us are experiencing these archetypally. And there's a way of being able to go softly to be in a deeper space of love, acceptance, care of what these shadows have been trying to protect. Like the shadows of the wild woman have been trying to protect the fact that like women in their aliveness for thousands of years have been harmed, hurt, tortured, like taken. Like this is a a protective pattern that has been passed through our grandmothers to be like, I want my daughters to be alive. And when we track that back through the history, like that starts at least for those of us who have any ancestry around the Fertile Crescent or essentially like north of Africa, south of Europe, which many of us do, not everyone, but many of us do, like 
those first times when like the goddess cults and the places where women were at the center and were revered and loved and respected in the artwork and in the artifacts we can find from that time, where there was this ginormous shift from outlying bands of dominator culture, war culture, men-led, spear-led, blade-led cultures came in and took that power from women and dominated those partnership cultures. So this is something that's thousands of years old. So it's deeply okay to have these patterns emerge and to have them continue to emerge as we learn. And it's about meeting it with that softness and that love to also recognize that there's deep transformation possible in these spaces at the same time. Yeah, I really love that. And I love like what really came through again when I was teaching on the Wild Grace Costa Rica training was just like how this part of ourselves is our deep protector of the most tender part of self. You know, like the part of you that has the most tender desires for like longing of love or relationship or family. And it's kind of like the wild woman is the protector of your most tender parts because she's the part that's going to like literally fight away. And like, that's where she kind of experiences jealousy or shame or all these kind of pieces. Like it was a really beautiful, I really love archetypal work and I really love working with these particular archetypes that wild grace the journey that you go through because it deepens, but you really begin to see the journey of how they integrate and like where Mm -hmm. they're showing up, why they're showing up. And it is almost like the protector of the tender desires, you know, like the deepest parts of yourself, she will protect and she will fight for. So ancient as well. Sorry, Mazel. Well, yeah, it's part of the collective unconscious, which has been forming for thousands and thousands of years. So yes, it is ancient. And I was just reading a part of this in Carl Jung's book, A Man in Search of a Soul. And he's speaking about shadows. He says, we don't want to eliminate shadows. That's not the aim. The aim is not to get rid of them. Their aim is to see them, to integrate them, and they make life interesting and they're showing us a way. And you know what? I always say a little bit of shadow is the spice of life. You know, how boring would it be if we didn't have a shadow? Everything just works smoothly all the time. Friction doesn't exist. Everyone's always fully lubricated in their navigation of the world. Boring. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I feel like shadows are just information, you know? I was really reflecting totally. on this. It's just information. It's like, okay, cool, I'm feeling this thing. What's it showing me? Great. Yeah, and figuring it out. Like I recently had a situation where all of a sudden I was in three drama triangles all at once. And like, okay, what's going on here? I am the common denominator. Like it's not just this isn't a coincidence. This is one of my shadows that's coming up here. And I realized that, yeah, when I don't speak the truth, when I don't say the thing, it creates drama. Yeah, a pyramid of drama triangles. But yeah, so a good way to spot shadows is to notice what situations in your life are you the common denominator? What situations keep replaying themselves and patterns and ways of communicating? 
And that's when you get it and part of you becomes illuminated and starts to integrate because I realized that part of me is actually super young. It's like, oh, I don't want to upset this person. It's like, just say it because it's going to come out anyway. It's going to leak out because it wants to. It actually wants to be seen. The shadow wants to be illuminated and it will do anything that it can, even like in a very, very sly kind of way. <laughs> because underneath all shadows is something that's trying to protect something that our whole beingness loves or cares for mm. every single time. Mm. Every single time. Yeah. Like for me, it was, I didn't want to upset someone or trying to be considerate of their feelings, but that actually created more chaos and more turmoil and prolonged, prolonged the discomfort. Because underneath that, I would imagine would be this deep care for connection Mm. and this deep care to be in connection with love. Mm. And these parts of us that have learned to fear, if I'm saying it's different than what you're thinking or feeling, that's going to be a problem. Or if I'm offering that I've been impacted by you, that means that you're going to push me away. Mm. I need to say this kindly or particular way. And there's still like artful delivery of feedback (laughs) and dark love as a practice and a learning. Like underneath that, I sense the part of you, Mazzy, is just like, I just want you to feel that I love you, even though I'm needing to bring this information forward. I don't want this to be something that causes rupture. Yeah. Coming back to that abandonment, that, that rejection, like how can I oh, yes. <laughs> protect community? How do I just want to love everyone? I just want everyone to be. And that's that raw part of me. And I also want to offer as a part of you went into the voice of, I just want to love everyone. Cause like, there's that archetypal space of like, no, 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 we don't have to talk about the bad things. I just want to love everyone. But like, mm. when you root that down, mm-hmm. it's like, fuck, I love you humans. Mm. And this is painful, these moments when we come into rupture or where there's a disconnection or there's not a sense of being seen or there's this sense of, oh, fuck, will abandonment happen again? Mm. Like what's underneath that is the desire to not experience that personally and not create that interpersonally, which is a form of love. Yeah, like it is love actually delivering difficult information or having the difficult conversation that is loving Mm -hmm. we may have to talk about dark masculine and that next week (laughs) let's do that all right are there any other pieces that are streaming through that wish to be heard something i just want to share is that one of my favorite ways to play with my wild woman is out in nature naked and really listening to the elemental experience and the sensory experience Because so much of the cages that the last thousands of years have put around us is around like our just beingness and being with truth. And most humans in their truth love being outside and love being naked because that's our like just biological historical experience. So something I'd invite is to find the places, the people, the containers that invite those spaces. Because there's a way of getting to cut through a lot of different pieces and really drop Mm. into the wild woman. Another piece I'd also recommend is a mud pit personally, but that's just because my wild woman loves to be covered in mud. (laughs) (laughs) And also I want to speak into like the unseen as well, like the unseen forces like 
Wi-Fi, phones, you know, getting away from the city because that environment as well, like that static can, can also kind of be like a cloud and almost like it just kind of disconnects us. It can frazzle, frazzle our connection. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, loves. That was the first edition of our archetypal series. So far, so good. Wow, that was juicy. I'm glad we started with the wild woman. <laughs> yeah. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right, honeys. Until next time. See you later, loves. Bye. See you later, loves. Bye. Sin.